Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Verge. Uh, this week, David Morrison and I sat down and discussed um, a quote from Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen um, about uh, Francis. You'll hear it at the beginning of the episode. And uh, just for some context, I sort of sprung it on David. Uh, we didn't talk about it beforehand because I wanted to get his his reaction and his insight to it. Um, so it was an interesting conversation. Um, and we also, we we use the quote as a sort of a springboard for a greater conversation around God, uh, the incarnation of God in all things and all people and um, sort of how that can be, be a challenge at times. So before we get into that, thank you to Danny West. Uh, he does all the editing and sound engineering. On this episode, thank you to Jacob Nedia at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. If you are interested in learning more about Desert Rain Community, uh, please check out theruined.com. You can also check out drcrpod.com for any other episodes uh, that uh, we may have out there. And uh, congratulations to David Morrison. He has finished uh, writing, editing, and formatting a book of desert haiku poetry. If you are interested in learning more about that, uh, desertrainpoem at gmail.com is a place you can reach out there and I can correspond with you uh, to give you more information around that. Um, We're hoping to publish and release it in the next month or so. And lastly, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please tell a friend Word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio. Dispatches from the Verge. David Morrison. Como esta? <laughs> um... Today I got a little quote. We're gonna we're shooting shooting from the hip big time this week, um, and I have a quote I came across. Well, I didn't come across it. it. It came to me more, more or less. I was scrolling through the old social media and saw this, and um, not I'm not a hundred percent sure how I feel about it. But and and we didn't fact check this, so the quote is um, what is it? said to be from Archbishop Fulton Sheen, who ironically enough was born in El Paso, but not El Paso, (laughs) Texas, El Paso, Illinois. Um, So yeah, so we're going to read this, get David's initial reaction, and then sort of pick it apart. If St. Francis had been sent to a Siberian labor camp or a leper colony or to Wall Street brokerage firm, would he be any less a St. Francis? But how many mortals there are in the world who are one kind of character in need, another kind of character in plenty, who grumble amidst the uncomfortable and who become possessed by possessions. St. Francis remains the same in all circumstances. The non-St. Francis types, like a chameleon, take on the color of the leaf on which they rest. It's too early for this. 
Give me a month to think about that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So he's, to paraphrase it, he's saying, if you took St. Francis Francis of Assisi from the 12th century and dropped him in any 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 kind of space and time, any circumstance, you would have the same result. That's what I'm hearing from the quote. Correct. I disagree. Yeah, my initial reaction is that's uh, <laughs> baloney. It sounds like Cold War uh, uh, rhetoric of individualism versus collectivism. <clears throat> you know, because Sheen was a 1950s TV personality, hmm. and the Catholic Church was fighting uh, the commies, um, and now they're you know, well, at least the Orthodox Church, at least the Russian Orthodox <laughs> Church is supporting Russia. Uh, anyway, um, so, so maybe we start, maybe we start with, I know we've talked about him in the past, but maybe you could give a little, um, insight about who St. Francis is in the context of like his place and time. Yeah. Which, which, yeah. And even just that makes me disagree with what he's saying. So St. Francis, yeah, is, was a in uh, Italy in Assisi, uh, I believe the 1200s or uh, 1100s, something like that. Um, I guess it was the end. The feudalism in most of Europe was ending, and a merchant class was rising up. Mm. And his father was one of those early, in Italy anyway, uh, a merchant. So, so basically capitalism was, was beginning to emerge in Europe. And he died in 1226. 1226, okay, yeah. So, um, so his father became very rich. Mm-hmm. I believe he was selling textiles and clothing, that kind mm. of stuff. And, and so Francis was really Chad. Uh, he was a Chad basically he was but he's very well liked apparently in his early youth he was the guy that threw the party uh, and you know uh, apparently he was a a skilled musician and probably a a joke teller well we've even talked about like any of these sort of I mean we've talked about in the sense of more like uh, denominations yeah but any of these leaders that start new branches have to be charismatic yeah he was very much yeah charismatic personality uh wanted to go to war had that romantic ideal of being a soldier um in italy at the time there were minor crusades in the sense of war you know different factions in italy would have their own private armies and would Mm. fight so he got tangled up in one of those he and his friends thought it'd be a great road trip to go on a little <laughs> battle. He saw some of his friends die, others get wounded. He got wounded and imprisoned for I think a year. Oh wow! If I remember right, and when he returned, was completely depressed and mm. emptied. Uh, war, war will do that to you. Yeah, exactly. And so, so he's walking around a CC, which you know, I hear it's lovely this time of year, <laughs> <laughs> but if you can't f- feel anything in that environment in those mm. hills then you really are clinically depressed and he was just wandering the hills feeling nothing right uh, just emptiness and nihilism and 
then he uh, comes across, this is the legend anyway. Right. Know, he comes across uh, a ruined church that had a, it's crucifix still. It's an Orthodox crucifix mm. uh, called the cross of San Damiano. You can look it up. Uh, he's praying and he, and he hears the voice of Christ through the crucifix saying, rebuild my church. As you mm. can see, it's fallen down. Uh, and so he just starts doing that. He starts building, literally building this little chapel back up and starts gathering these people. And so he gradually goes into this revelation that poverty and emptiness is, is uh, the kingdom of God. Is the road. Is the road, yeah. And so he begins to, you know, exchange clothes with lepers. Uh, you know, and this was all gradual. Mm -hmm, right. He, and then if he finally gets his his uh uh what would you call it his trust fund cut off <laughs> from his father gets disinherited his eventually. like go get a job yeah cuz he's breaking his dad his dad's getting broke uh so he, so he's you know and and he was uh, had a flair for the theatrics so he mm. strips himself naked in front of everyone which would have been the modern day court trial in the city square mm. his father's cuz i think his father even put him in a cage for a while <laughs> And he's uh, like, go hang out there for a minute. And so he's standing there naked and he's saying, I have no father now, but my father in heaven. And then the bishop was all, oh, shit, we can't have this. Mm. So he sends his uh, servant, the bishop having a servant, which is so bizarre, right. uh, to cover him with his own cloak, which could be a reinterpretation. The church is covering him instead. Mm. That kind of thing. And then he becomes well, Francis and, you know. It's, it's easy to rewrite history after right. someone becomes a saint. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, arguably probably the most beloved saint in all the pantheon of, of gods. I mean saints. And, uh, you know, just most one of the most Christ-like When he's one of the rare. think of, you know. He's one of the rare saints, too, that is acknowledged by just about every yeah, denomination. Yeah, they all like him. The <laughs> the, the dorks, the, the, what was that line from Ferris Bueller's? The, no, I don't the, even remember. The Crips, the Bloods, the, <laughs> they all love him. They think he's a righteous dude. The Warriors, the, the Lizards, the... <laughs> um, Okay, so sort of with that setting the tone, you know, I, I guess my interpretation of that quote is, um, well, it's two things. One, well, I, I can just speak for myself. Like, I think I would be a different, or I don't think, I know, even if we don't take, t like, let's say I still had the same birthday. Right. Right, but just the difference of being born in, you know, let's just say the country, right? I was born in the United States. Right. Just being born, even just north and south of us, right? In Canada and in Mexico, you would have a different life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, I mean, it's an age old, silly argument about nature versus nurture. Um, yeah, again, I really think, and this is just like you said, we're shooting from the yeah, hip. we're totally shooting. I didn't, from the hip, you yeah. know, I wasn't there in the fifties watching uh, Jay Fulton Sheen's uh, broadcast on TV with right. his hundred pound cape that he wore. Um, <laughs> but I really do. It sounds a lot like 
capitalist, individualistic rhetoric that would have been popular in the 50s because they're arguing against communism. Mm-hmm. So so Karl Marx, uh, his his contention was that individuals do not push history forward. Mm. Uh, economic powers push uh, history forward. And then the West would say, Western philosophy against that would say, no, individuals do it. You know, and 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 the United States culture definitely on on individual on the side of individualism and, uh, which you can't you know, and, and now in the in the postmodern period we'd say yes, it's both. They're both right. Yeah. Uh, and we'd integrate both of those. Well, uh, it, it's funny because part of the argument for capitalism is that Karl Marx idea that the economic system pushes history forward. Part of the argument for capitalism is that, well, yeah, innovation comes because of capitalism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And so it's like, and so I think that's what Sheen was, was saying. I might be, you know, totally off. So is, is was saying that, uh, an individual would be the same individual regardless of outward forces. And I, you know, I think it's just wrong. I, and let me just take a theological approach. Yeah, I mean, okay. that's, at the end of the day, that or for this conversation specifically, yeah. I would like to focus on the theological All sort right. of spiritual idea of of this. Yeah. Of this. And again, yeah. I'm not a theologian, and right, nor course, am I the course. son of a theologian. I'm the son of a jock, <laughs> a PE teacher, and from Northeast El Paso. So. Uh, but in my mind, it all all roads lead to the incarnation. And especially when you talk about someone like Francis who lived out that doctrine, it wasn't, it wasn't just an idea. Mm. It wasn't just a theology. It was a, it was a, a lived experience. And by incarnation, I mean that the spirit dwells in matter in physical matter. Mm. That's the idea of the, of the incarnation that, that, uh, the, the, the all powerful, all holy God took residence in a fully human being, mm-hmm. uh, Jesus of Nazareth. So that's the, and integrated them both at the resurrection completely. And so that's that's the idea. And so so the early church took it had a much more radical view than most Protestants and Catholics today, which is that because of that event, the cross so just to yeah, clarify, yeah. when you say the early church, do you mean like Francis time or even farther no, back? No, before that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about probably Paul. Okay. Right. Uh, the apostle, his writings. Uh, That's what I thought you were talking about, yeah. but I wanted to make sure for the people listening. And and then definitely, so yeah, so it'd be a lot of the Eastern writings uh, and then the, the Celtic church, which was, mm-hmm. there wasn't a Celtic church, but the Celtic Christianity, which was a loose the tradition. Cr- yeah, that's yeah. a very loose thing. Which uh, we have a two-part episode if you'd like to listen yes, to that, Yes, you folks. should check that Hey-oh. out. <laughs> anyway, so... And and it's that because of the event of, of the cross, the resurrection, and the Pentecost, the Spirit being poured mm-hmm. out on all flesh, that that all matter, the, the physical world is actually holy, and there is no division between secular and sacred. Uh, everything is holy, and so that's which, that's which the in idea. Twenty twenty two is an absolutely radical. Uh, yeah, for idea sure. Yeah. Amongst Christian, you know, Christians in a very yeah small box for sure, yeah. for sure. 
And if you've watched any kind of reality television, it's hard to believe that anything would be holy <laughs> what do you, there. What do you yes. mean? That's all sacred. <laughs> or, hey, Kim. <laughs> or professional wrestling. Or, you know, I was like, really? Uh, but that's the challenge, right? And exactly. So, exactly. That's the daily, the hourly so, yeah. challenge. Yeah. And so to me, that means in the creation of a life, the formation of someone's life, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, would use everything in the physical world Mm-hmm. and circumstances to form this human being. It's all integrated. It's not separated. And so what Sheen seems to be saying is that it's separate, mm. uh, but it's not separate. You're, you're, the events in your life, the tragic, the joyful, the privileged, the non-privileged, all of that. Uh, and I'm not saying God ordains it. I'm not saying that. Right. Let me make a simplistic kind of analogy. I would say... Is the so, fact... Okay, no, make your analogy. Uh, well, I'm saying that, that God is not a paint-by-numbers artist. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's your life, and these numbers have been preordained, and he, and he colors in the, the, the colors according to the numbers. No, he's a collage artist, which would be you take a photograph of your most tragic moment, uh, another photograph of one of the most joyful moments, the, all, and all the mundane in between, mm-hmm. and creates a larger picture from that which is... So it grows from the ground up kind of thing. Well, and I think to sort of speak to that privilege versus non-privilege, the fact that you and I are not in a sweatshop in Vietnam right now. My life would be very different. Is it because God looks at us anymore? We're not any more blessed in the sense in God's eyes than two guys sitting next to each other in a sweatshop right now having a similar conversation. Right. For me to be a believer, yes. I I couldn't believe in a God that would say, I'm going to stick you into uh, human trafficking and you're going to be a victim Mm -hmm. for your whole child. And that's my plan for your life. Right. And then you, you're going to be born in New York City and your dad's going to be a uh, a rich and a KKK guy and you're going to be president. Um, (laughs) You know, it does. If if that's if that's uh, the way things are, uh, I'm not interested in Christianity. Uh, that's how or just I god feel. i don't even think you have or, to say or any kind of theism yeah i'm yeah. not interested well and so the one part of the sheen as we discuss this and i'm i'm kind of thinking about it, the one thing about the sheen uh quote that i might agree with is there are francises or saints if you will yes in all of those contexts labor camps um Wall Street, um, wherever, you know, you could list on and on and on. Right. But that doesn't mean we're going to know them as they're not going to become as famous as Francis has in our our time. Right. There's, there's saints we run into every single day that we will never know their saintly acts. And just because we say, Oh, that person's a saint. Doesn't mean they also don't have a bad, you know what I mean? Like right. there's, there's also people that think that same person's an asshole. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it, it, I think even cutting it, and, and this gentleman is not the only person that's done it. No. But he's simplified Francis to a one-dimensional yeah. being. And humans are three-dimensional, if not four-dimensional, right? Like a... a, a there's a physical person, but there's also the mysterious part of each individual that 
Yeah. You you know, I can't know about you and you can't know about me. You know, our boats can come close in, in the ocean, but we still are having yeah. different experiences. And, you know, and I would say everyone is created in the image of God. There's this mm-hmm. basic, I would uh, agree. you know, that's, that's the, the genesis of everything. Uh, and then, you know, and so that, that innate goodness is there in every human being mm-hmm. and, and the spirit is working for every single person to, uh, to for Christ, the inward Christ, the inner Christ to emerge from them. And so, you know, the Quakers would call that the divine light mm-hmm. in everyone. That of that which is of God in everyone, uh, that kind of thing. Well, and even the, you know, I know we've made fun of it on this podcast, but even that idea of namaste. Right. 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 All that means is I I witness the inner Christ in you. Yeah. And you inner witness the inner Christ. You know, yeah. it's a true statement. Right. Right. Like it's been hijacked. It's on a certain level by pop culture. Right. But it doesn't make it on the big, you know, right. The cosmic scene, it doesn't make it any less true because I, I, I agree with that sentiment that each person has that light yeah. in their heart in some way, shape or form. And so, yeah. So Catholics and Protestants would, uh, particularly, I, I think Methodists would take it. Well, that's just prevenient grace. There's this, so there's, it's these different packages of your streaming service. <laughs> And so there's just, that's just, right. There's pre, uh, there's prevenient grace, which is the grace you're born with. Okay. And then there's a a justifying grace, but you have to acknowledge that Jesus died for your sins and you need to accept that. So in the Catholic church, would that be confirmation? Yeah. Yeah. Different levels of grace for them as well. Uh, I don't, I don't remember that in the Catholic church, but, but then the, uh, the Methodist, I think, I think John Wesley specifically, and his the theologians that came around after him, uh, then there'd be a sanctifying grace where you're set apart for the work of the gospel, and there's a mm. a work there. And uh, no Catholics, they take the so the, they go with sin. So there's original sin. You're born with this black mark uh, on you. Right, 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 right. Uh, it's hard to get a priest to say. A, well, I've I've heard them. It was a long time ago, but that a newborn baby would go to hell, uh, and somehow that's. God loves you more than you'll ever know. That's amazing grace. <laughs> That's amazing Babies grace. in hell. Uh, you know, it's the same with pro-lifers. How, how pro-life are you? I want to hear you say it out loud that you'd put a, a 16-year-old pregnant mm. girl in prison and force her to have a child. And that's that's God's theocracy, boys and girls. <laughs> you know. So anyway, uh, yeah, so the original sin and then there's uh, venial sin. Then there's sins, the mortal sin, which will not be forgiven. Right. Uh, and then, you know, and you so. You can't just go to your weekly confession. Yeah. And that just sounds, you know, you don't hear Jesus talking like that at all. You definitely don't hear you know, the Apostle Paul and his writings talking mm-hmm. about any of that. So it's just, it sounds like a bunch of legalese. Well, wait a minute. We know God promised you uh, goodness. And his image within you. But let's talk about the fine print, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's what... We didn't really mean actual grace. Yeah, yeah. Um, That'd be crazy, right? Canceling student debt? Crazy, right? The... One of the ideas that you... And I don't think... I don't know if we've ever talked about it at length. Um, if If you remember, otherwise, you know, you can shorten it. But this idea of... God being dispersed in all the physical world. Right. 
for you personally, because I know that idea was never, or at least I never heard it or it caught on as a, as a kid going to Catholic church. But do you remember when that, when that idea, either it caught your attention or it sort of clicked in your life? Or do you remember engaging with that theology? Because it's kind of, it's similar to what we've talked about in the past that you've sort of, li- it's sort of been part of your life. Yeah, yeah. That it, you know, it's probably old news now, but when it was new, when it was fresh in your mind, do you, do you remember what sparked that or like what time, you know, what time of your life that would have been like? Because I, for me, it was, yeah. it would have been, I don't even know, late twenties, maybe early thirties. Yeah, it was, it was definitely for me. Yeah. As I, I think it's like you said, I knew it intuitively, but didn't have words for it and it mm-hmm. didn't reach the rational level. Not that the rational level is higher. It's not. It's just different. Uh, yeah. It's just a different where you can articulate it. Uh, but definitely let me, let me go back. So as a child, it was more only Catholics are going to heaven and only, you know, Catholics that have done the system, the bingo, you've got the, you know, your, your bingo scorecard all (laughs) filled out. You know, you've done the sacramental system. You've been, you've received uh, first communion rites and you've uh, been baptized uh, the other way around baptized first communion uh, confirmation. uh, And you, and you go to confession regularly keep the slate clean Mm -hmm. and receive last rites. Uh, Then, you know, you you might make it into, you'll probably get to purgatory. Mm. And then, you know, a thousand years later, you're, you'll be purified through the prayers of (laughs) and donations, the donations of your, uh, for masses being said in your name kind of thing. So that was kind of my, and so everyone else, that's too bad for them. That was my, you know, as a child, that was Mm. my thinking. Uh, then as a charismatic is switched over to, no, it's only those who've accepted Jesus Christ as their personal mm. Lord and Savior. And they've had to have. So probably when I was about 17, I saw a, it was at a vineyard conference actually called Healing 87. Uh, and and it was, you know, the conference was about divine healing, laying hands on each other and seeing people yield. Right. And learning how to do that in a, in a functional way. And so I was about 17 and John Wimber sh- on the first day showed a, it was like a long film, like a two and a half hour film on Mother Teresa. Mm. And that was a radical thing. People were offended, uh, you know, in the conference. Right, right, right. Uh, because she was Catholic for one. Oh, oh, oh right, And right, right. It, was, it, was a, it was a film, uh, it was just called Mother Teresa. Uh, it was one of the, Richard Attenborough, is that a... I know there's a David Attenborough that England, I think he has a brother, a Scottish brother or something. I think it was the Jurassic Park guy, the old man from Jurassic Park. I think he was the narrator. (laughs) Oh, Uh, okay. I thought you were going to say director. He didn't say welcome to, this was 1987. (laughs) But anyway, there's this very, it was a profound film and, and there's a, and and it's Mother Teresa's voice saying uh, something to the effect of, uh, you know, they're, sh- they're showing her work there in the slums of Calcutta. And then she says something like, uh, Hindu, Muslim, Christian, secular, it doesn't matter. All are created in the image of God. All are children of God. 
And I remember hearing the the audience kind of gasp a little <gasps> bit. Yeah, how dare she say <laughs> they that? They grabbed their pearls. Yeah, exactly. And it was a radical statement for me to hear, but it was very liberating at the same time. So that was probably the first time. Dude, that's an incredible memory. It was Richard Attenborough. <laughs> I can't. And he is the guy from Jurassic Park. <laughs> that's crazy that I would even know that. I don't even know what I ate for breakfast today. <laughs> I don't even it's remember so if I funny. took my meds today. <laughs> Your memory is such a wondrous thing to me because you will you will spot on some things of like a book or like it's even so a bizarre. sermon yeah. or like a movie. And then there'll be other things you're like, yeah, I have no idea. It's like the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. It's when it hits, it hits. When it misses, they miss. <laughs> so anyways, let's not to get too far. I had to share that because I just I looked it up because I was like, no, there's no way it could be the guy from Jurassic Park. <laughs> it was. Touchdown. And I haven't even oh, seen that man. film in like 25 years probably. Yeah, well, it came out in 86. So you probably saw wow. it in the late 80s. <laughs> anyways, so this idea... So going back to this, like the conference yeah. sort of grasps or gasps and grasps their pearls at this idea that a Hindu or a, a Buddhist yeah. or yeah. a Muslim could be made in God's image. It yeah. is. It's a. I mean, even today that. Oh, more so today in, in American Christianity. Yeah. Well, I think other religions too. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you have to have an enemy mm -hmm. to define your own set. So that you're right. Yeah. And you're no, and you're, you know, and, and Jesus, I would suspect following his teacher would say, uh, the murderous, uh, gangbangers are entering the kingdom of heaven before you religious people, mm. because they're more honest about their tribalism. Whereas you hide it with pious, pious, uh, language and, uh, and phony, uh, holiness. And so that's kind of, <laughs> But it's, but it's all still the spirit of murder. It's all the tribalism. I have to have an enemy to prove that I'm right. If, if your faith needs to have an enemy, uh, then you're, uh, you're that much more lacking in what you need to do, the work, the soul work that needs to be done. And then I would add, yeah, so then it was later. Well, so, and you might have already made the point, but I just want to make sure I didn't, I didn't miss it. But hearing that from Mother Teresa... Are you saying that's what sort of there, there was a shift in you in that moment, or were, no? Did you it was a challenge. Okay, so it was a challenging thing, but very okay. intriguing. Okay, and so it was kind of more of a seed mm. put in me, okay. and uh, you know, which is why you shouldn't listen to people outside of your set because they might plant a seed. <laughs> They'll and, plant a seed. Yeah, so we need to gatekeep harder. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, so it probably wasn't until. Well, I started going out into the world, working in the world as a teacher mm. and started meeting people from all kinds of backgrounds. And like, yeah, they're, you know, they're just trying to be human beings as well uh, because they had that mindset struck in me too from that church, the the secular versus the Christ, the believer, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, the secular, they eat their children, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, these mythologies. Uh, yeah. The lies I was told about about the pro-life thing from childhood and into my teens, I'm pretty resentful about now. Mm. You know, the lies that they, they tell you, uh, misinformation and all that. So it wasn't until we came out. So life experience and then, but still it didn't reach to my rational mind mm -hmm. uh, until probably when we came out here and I started specifically studying Celtic Christianity. Mm. And that's when it, began to really click on a rational level um so yeah and um 
And I guess through that, what, okay, actually, let me, let me phrase it this way. So let, you know, someone like me, let's say they, they were given that same misinformation, the same, the same stuff you heard growing yeah, up. Yeah, the mythologies. Yeah, the mythologies, the gatekeeping, so on and so forth. Um, in, in 2022, they approach you and they're like, hey, there's kind of this seed of God is in everything. Every, every human is a, a child of God, is made in God's image, right? Some of these yeah, yeah. radical ideas that, you know, in my mind are more true than, than radical, right. right? Like they make more sense to me than these, than it being a radical idea. But all that being said, and, and you know, what, what direction would you point them in the sense of like trying to nurture that, that seed or that, um, that questioning, um, aspect where they, they, they feel safe. They don't believe it fully, but they feel safe yeah. enough to sort of broach the topic with you. Yeah. Maybe is a good way to, to, Oh, it's definitely it. not theoretical. I've had these conversations mm -hmm. with people. Um, uh, sometimes it comes down to, I'll say, um, <clears throat> do you believe that it's God's will that everyone, uh, would be in favor would, would be, uh, do you think it's God's will that, uh, everyone would comply if you will, with, uh, love, with service, with sacrificial living, uh, you know, love towards everyone and service towards everyone. Do you think that's God's will? Of course they'll say yes. So then why don't you live as if God's will is being done now? Why don't you see the world as if God's will is being done? Now, mm -hmm. thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Uh, I've asked people, why is it that the more biblically literate you become, the more unchristlike you become? Mm -hmm. Why is it that the more uh, deeply involved in your church you become, the more out of touch you become with real people? Why mm -hmm. is that? Uh, and so, you know, just conversations like that. Um, they're also obsessed with uh, who's going to be in heaven, who's going to be right. in hell. So I'll ask them, do you think it's God's will for everyone to be in heaven? Well, yeah, it's God's will. Uh, then, then why, then don't why you, are you trying to yeah, keep it? Why is it so important for you, for people to be in hell then? Because uh, it is important to them for people to burn in hell, yeah, especially really, the people they disagree with. It's amazing. It's a very interesting thing to observe. Yeah. Someone. yeah. And it's like the old adage says, you know, God created humankind in God's image mm. and humankind paid back, uh, paid, paid God back by creating God in their image. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, so that's just basic spiritual work that you have to do that, uh, the God that you worship and pray to is an image that you've created in your mind. That's very hard for people to, it was very hard for me to transition from that and still, you know, still yeah, it's massive still work. There were, there were higher walls than there are now. But there's still walls that I have to get through or sometimes usually I'm the one, my face is, I'm shot out of a cannon and my face is going through the wall rather than over the wall. Well, uh, it's it's a day-to-day -day thing too, right? Like some days these ideas of grace and um, oh, what would be the right word? Seeing your, you know, seeing the other people you come in contact with is, because is, even the ones we disagree with, are the, they're also 
the image of God, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And so some days with that idea is much easier, at least for me, is much easier than others. Yeah. Where it's, you know, some days it's a real struggle. Um, especially when I'm at the movie theater and people are talking. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so I, I guess the second part of this quote that I would like to sort of, and it might not, it might not even make sense. I think we might've already made the point, but this idea of, and I guess the problem is that you're, you're putting it up against a one dimensional Francis, right? You're putting it up against a, this um, idea of a perfect being. Right. And that's a problem. That's problematic. Yeah. You know? And so this, the last part of the, I I mean, it's just the last part of me where it says, and he calls them the non St. Francis types like a chameleon take on the color of the leaf on which they rest. But I mean, isn't that going back to what you were talking about with the time and place, isn't that Francis was not that he was becoming a chameleon, but the leaf that he rested on was, the fact that his father was rich, the you know his right. experience with war, um, coming back to a CC, and having this uh, depression, or you know, and a, it seems as though Francis struggled with mental illness, right? Whether people want to say that or not, but yeah, um, but isn't that the leaf because <laughs> that they want formed yeah. the chameleon that is <laughs> Francis at the time? Exactly. Yeah, or the leaf of the two hundred pound cloak that. Fulton Sheen was wearing that's that's quite a leaf there you know would that make him a non-Francis type and so you know because Francis was a homeless man Uh, anyway I'm being anti-clerical there no yeah no I I understand I'm (laughs) I'm I'm just thinking of that like how I'm trying to think of the the opposite argument that I'm trying to see where I could agree with right, Sheen right. in the sense of like, because just in my short life, having encountered these people that do seem as though they from, and this is, I'm just talking about my perspective of these people, right? Because once you, you know, if you know someone and you talk to 10 people that also know that person, you're going to get 10 different aspects. right? And some of it is just, you know, what day you happen to interact with that person, you know, they might've been having a bad yeah, day. Yeah, it's a but, snapshot. Is all you know, and, and so I'm trying to look at this idea of like, you know, the people that I, I have encountered that I, I guess the, the easiest, you know, for me in early sobriety, there was characters helping me get sober that, you know, fast forward 14 years, I don't know their names. I would be pretty, I'm really good with faces, but I'd be pretty hard stretched to point them out of a lineup given the opportunity. Yeah. Um, but the impact, the story of the impact that they had in my life is, is very real and very deep. You know, I think about this old man that came up to me um, and he handed me, you know, the, the text of, the 12-step meeting I was at that day, you know, and it was my second, my second meeting. I'd been to one the night before. And this guy came up to me, he said, read this, it'll save your life. And he was right. 
mm-hmm. you know, fast forward to where I'm at now, he was right. But at the time, I remember thinking, oh man, this this guy's being dramatic. Like, yeah, I'm not dying. Like, I just need to see so some sort of time traveler. I, I just need to like <laughs> read this. <laughs> you know, I just need to my life to chill out a little bit and, and me to get, you know, control of this and that, you know, yeah. get a couple things in line and, and I'll be back to what I was doing. Um, but he's one of those characters where I could I don't know his name. I couldn't point him out. Um, I don't think I ever crossed paths with him again. And I was in so he was that community for four years after wow, that never you know what him i mean again. i don't think i did i don't even know though you know what i That's mean crazy. like because it wasn't necessarily on my mind all the time right right uh but there's someone out there in the world that thinks that same guy's an asshole <laughs> right exactly <laughs> you know what i mean we so, have a different interaction <laughs> yeah and so it's just, it just like um yeah i guess i guess the problem with the quote is is making someone one-dimensional yeah, and and putting them on which the is what saints are. We, of course, of course, we've turned these people into one dimensional. Remember the scandal that Mother Teresa had doubts mm-hmm. in her faith. That's because she had faith. That's what it's all about. It's a dance between doubt and belief, and and that's the experience. And so, for people to say, "Well, then she really wasn't a saint," it's like, "Well, what are you even talking about at this point?" You know. Well, it's funny, too, because she specifically asked. A lot of those doubts came out in her diaries right. and her personal re- writings. Yeah. And she specifically asked for those to be destroyed upon her death yeah. and not read. Yeah, that too. <laughs> you know, and so people are like, oh, no, she's dead. She, we can read it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it's like, yeah, well, okay. So you want to criticize her on something she asked you not to read. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, uh, I remember Obama went to the Western Wall when he was president. I don't remember that. And, you know, and the, and the tradition there is to, I guess, write a prayer of some sort on a mm. little piece of paper and stick it in the wall. And he hadn't even, his finger had just barely lifted and some guy go, like a, goes and grabs yeah, him. like a vulture just grabs mm. his prayer. And, uh, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Well, it's, it's two things, too, because our society, or at least I'm not going to speak for the world society, but uh, American society, for sure, within the United States context, uh, we have this, like, amazing, um, oh, what's it called? Celebrity worship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so anyone in the limelight, even if they're there for, for 10 seconds, um, you know, kind of like, yeah. you know, we're going to go grab their prayer and we're going to, you know, listen to their voicemails yeah. and read their private writings and this and that. and. Um, and I, you know, I just, I don't think there's any way around it because it is for whatever reason it, that has become ingrained in American society. I think it's a human thing. It might be. Look at the pyramids. If that's not celebrity worship, (laughs) I don't know what is. I mean, that's like the first massive celebrity worship or even, uh, you know, the older graves that they're finding now, you know, Mm. 50,000 year old graves with, you know, gold. The reason why you find them is because yeah, they're ornamented. That particular person was a celebrity of some sort. Yeah, I mean that is a good point that that it we enjoy putting these people yeah. we as a is as, as a society as a human, as human race. beings yeah, yeah. yeah not necessarily uh, individualistically um, that obviously ebbs and flows but um and and so I guess with this idea. 
you know, you, 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 you talked about it at the beginning and I don't remember the exact word you used, but sort of having this, uh, place and time and the community around you helps, helps in the context of your, of making a Francis, right? Not, not that anyone set out to make a Francis yeah. of Assisi, right? Like his, his, the way he went through life, his circumstances and the way he went through life is just how it, how it unfolded. And, um, I guess I'd be interested in hearing like for the, the person that, uh, feels lost, um, spiritually, I guess, specifically, or, um, the doubts, you know, we talked about the doubts with, with, um, uh, mother Teresa, you know, and, and I, the doubts and the being lost, I think is part of the human condition, the human journey. Um, but what are some of the things you would, or maybe it's just one thing, but, you know, kind of put out to the world of, of, um, encouragement or, uh, just a different, a different side of that same coin as far as the doubts and, and feeling lost. Cause I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. And, yeah. and maybe not all the time, but at times, right. Yeah. I think, I think James Finley might've said this, that the only difference between a mystic and a non mystic is the mystic knows that they're lost and knows that it's just a feeling also. And cause it's a very confusing thing to be a human being. Mm-hmm. So it's a confusing experience. Right. So the mystic just knows that it's a confusing experience. That's the only, that's the first difference. The mystic just simply knows that it's a confusing. This is the experience of being human. And, uh, and so what's next? What are the other experiences? And so if, you know, this dichotomy, it's a false dichotomy of, of faith and doubt that's, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. There are days, or usually nights, when you wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and, or you never went to sleep, and the only... You're just wide awake. Yeah. And the only light you see is the blinking of your smoke alarm. You're, you're experiencing atheism there. Mm-hmm. That's the experience of atheism. And then there are moments where it might be uh, inexplicable moments or it might be major moments in life. A child is born to your life uh, and and doors of of compassion and love open up inside of you that you never knew were Mm. there. So that's the experience of faith right there. You experienced it. It's not like you... So it's not a rational thing it's not uh i'm deciding to believe today i mean i've done that i'm I'm going to believe that the bible is is stronger than my experience and okay that didn't really help me it didn't really hurt me either yeah but it just it was just a to recognize that your rational brain is a very is just one part of who you are uh and and we don't live in our minds we can try to Mm -hmm. so a lot of the feelings of being lost are of living too much in the head rather than in the world that you're actually in. And so that's, so it's a learning how to step out. Well, and I think for me too, with that same idea and I'm going to butcher it, but that idea of like our rational mind, right? Or our brain and our heart are physically close together. 
But right. sometimes that's the long, the longest road to travel right, is right. to get something from your, from your mind into your heart or vice yeah. versa, you know? And, and, um, and I know for me, that's, that's part of the struggle because, uh, I lean on the rational mind yeah. uh, so much. Um, and, and I think Western culture kind of promotes that, right? Um, you know, we, we like the artist, but when the artist gets too far out of line, right, right. <laughs> we, we want to spank them yeah. and say, no, that's too, that's too far artist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whether it's a musician or a painter or a poet or a, uh, whatever, you know, right. The list can go on and on, but it's like, no, we, we like your art, but you can't have those ideas. They're right. too, <laughs> they're too You crazy. can't denounce a war <laughs> in England, Dixie Chicks, uh, Natalie May. She's the most punk rock person left. <laughs> She she had the the courage to to speak against a, a popular war at the time, right? And yeah, then, you know, the and all the redneck stations banned her, banned their their music, and and guess what? They still make music, you know. And they they're still, called yeah. the Chicks now. <laughs> hey, but Chicks, they, and they're you know, and they're labeled country music, but they're, in my mind, they're punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're coming up close on time, but I, I wanted. There, there's something that happened here in, in our community. Um, and I, you spoke on about it on Sunday. Uh, the gentleman that, that was uh, senselessly shot oh, yeah. in, in El Paso. And, and this happens every day everywhere. Yeah. Um, but for me, what makes this a little bit unique is that a family had left their community. What they knew as quote unquote home. And move yeah. to our community, right? The greater, you know, I, I consider El Paso, Las Cruces, you know, sort of yeah, in the my borderland. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and um, I don't know. Would you be willing to to share some of that stuff you shared on on Sunday and just that we have that family in in our prayers and in, in our yeah, it's just know. the tragedy of it. Uh, I wish I had known. I saw the the community did a vigil, mm. not our community, the El Paso, the El Paso, his community. neighborhood. So yeah, so this this young man Manuel Sanchez, uh, yeah, his family had moved from Chicago to El Paso. I'm assuming to escape the violence there, and and he, he was in the habit of playing basketball at the nearby park. And a random eighteen year old, a young person, uh, executed him. Yeah, shot and, and killed him and burned his body in his car in a car. I don't know if it was his car in the desert and. And so the family immediately left. They left. They said they can't mourn here in El Paso. And so it's just a huge tragedy, just unspeakable. And it's just been on my mind. Uh, I've been hurting about it, discerning what, is there anything, is there any healing that I could contribute to, you know? And, um, and it just, yeah, and it happened here. That really, I feel kind of guilty in, in that sense. Uh, it happened in our region, you know, in our right. time and. I don't remember what else. No, I mean, that's that. I mean, that just, you know, since you, what was that? Two mornings ago, I guess yeah. you, you had, you had mentioned it and I, I had not heard of it, heard about it, but I, you know, I read about it after later that evening or it might've been yesterday and, and just, um, sort of these senseless acts and, and, uh, completely out of our control, right? Like right. you and I completely powerless to those, um, to those situations, but it doesn't make the sadness or, um, 
feeling an empathy for the family, feeling they need to leave immediately, right? So that they can more they they can put some distance between them and and the place that it happened. And and I guess for me over the last two days, just just trying to be in that place of um I guess solitude. That's not really the right word, but just just uh knowing there's thousands of families millions of families probably worldwide mourning a similar loss yeah, right yeah some kind of senseless tragedy um yeah i saw a photo just yesterday of a father who lost his two sons not lost in death but they're lo- they got lost in mm. the ukraine tragedy the the you know the the ongoing invasion war. Yeah, yeah the illegal and immoral uh russian invasion and his two Young children are got lost in the probably taken to Russia, and he's just wandering the area searching for them yeah. in tears. You know, yeah. it's just my God. Well, I, you know, and I, I think that we don't do much on this podcast, but um, you know, we prayer is part of our life, and yeah. and um, trying to be of service when we can is part of our 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 life, and and um, I guess this week just that that sort of uh call to action for our listeners of you know send send some extra prayers for those you know we mentioned one here but there's many more unnamed right yeah yeah. just just as tragic and just as sad and you know send send the prayers and the good vibes and the um well a lot of times yeah be kind to the person that's right in front of you Mm -hmm. and treat them the way that that family would like to you know the family that's bereaved would, would like to still hold their child, their son, their daughter. Yeah. So their dog, cat. So I did, did that that hit me hard over the last couple of days. So I did oh. I did want to intentionally bring that up today and um but also know that that's, you know, that's always going on. Right. Whether you and I talk about it or not or if anyone talks about it, right? Yeah. But but just to to allow that I know it's such a cliché thing and I, it it's kind of annoying, but just if there's some good that can come from right. a tragedy, you know, can, can I be part of that good? Yeah. You know, can that, uh, remind me of the fragileness of life? Yeah, exactly. Um, and how fleeting things can be. And, and, uh, you know, can I be a little bit more kind to that person in front of me, even when I'm, yeah. you know, whether tired or hungry or annoyed or whatever it is, right. Those human things. So, um, I don't know. Did you have anything else? in the vein of today's conversation uh, that you wanted to, to bring up or throw out into the world. We have a couple minutes. No, I think we sure did uh, show that we are so much sm- uh, smarter than Jay Fulton Shane. <laughs> well, and to be fair to I that, feel so like an ass, you know, well, I mean, to be fair to the situation too, that, you know, who knows what the greater context of that quote yeah. was, you know, I just, it, it caught my attention this morning and, uh, because I do, it's one of those things I do look up to Francis, you know, I yeah. do, I do, Claire. um, you know, I, I've shared about, it. I've got to spend some time at a CC, but, um, you know, I don't know, taken out of the time and space that we, we would necessarily know who Francis was today, you know, if he's, right. you know, because there's, in my mind, there's a million other saints that have lived throughout time. That yeah. we have no idea who they are. Exactly. You know. Um, 
And I would like to congratulate you, Mr. David Morrison. Well, thank you, sir. You have finished writing and formatting oh, yeah. a book. Uh, in theory. As, in theory. No, you've completed it. <laughs> a couple um, of tweaks, I guess, that are really hard. The uh, As many of you know, uh, David Morrison has been uh, producing a book, I guess would be a good way to put it. Constructing you've, it, I Yeah, guess. you've done everything. You created the cover, the poems in it, the intro. Um, so all the creative work and, and the uh, tedious formatting work as well. Yeah. It's a, it's Which a I have no skill in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, a true, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't even know, birthing of a, a creative yeah, that's what it's thing into like the birthing. world. Yeah. And so I just wanted to congratulate you. I know it's something as far as becoming an author that, that is uh, near and dear to your heart. So I just oh, want to recognize you. you and appreciate that. Congratulate you on that. And appreciate uh, everyone that would uh, purchase the book. Appreciate even all those who would uh, buy two books for one for their Christmas gifts or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of, um, but if you are interested in, in learning more about the book, um, you can either go uh, to the Kickstarter, which I don't, of course, I don't have the URL off the top of my head. Um, you can also email desertrainpoem at gmail.com. Um, and I can, I can correspond with you to, if you have any interest in learning more about it, we will be eventually setting up a, uh, a website, uh, to highlight the book, but we haven't quite done that yet. So that'll be in the next, uh, few weeks. So, uh, thank you again for tuning in. Thank you again, David Morrison for your time this morning. Thank you, Mr. Mason. Your insight. Uh, as always, thank you, uh, Jacob Nedia. That's what you hear in the background with Monk drums and, uh, until next week, we'll talk to you then. Yes, sir.